Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here at Total Wine & More, you'll find what you love and love what you find, especially our totally low prices. I'm firing up the grill for burgers and want to impress the neighbors. This Cabernet is sure to take your burgers to the next level. Nice. Wow. And look at that price. Well done. I prefer medium or air. <laughs> your neighbors will love it. Find what you love, love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. With the lowest prices in the DMV. Drink responsibly, B21. Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today. Only a Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. The Fearless Curious Soul, Goldilocks Productions presents The Deep Reading, <laughs> connecting you to your soul show. Hello, this is Suzanne Wyman, The Deep Psychic. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining me today. Please think about the commentary that you relate to. If I have a conversation and you think, oh, that could be me, Please include yourself in that commentary. I want you to feel included and know that if this conversation resonates to you at a deep level and who and what you are as a person, then you then you are part of something greater than yourself. The universe is connecting to you, answering your questions. So today's conversation is going to, um, we're going to cover a number of topics, and the topics that we're going to be covering today are going to have to do with, we're going to talk to a musician, that's going to be our first conversation, and then we're going to talk with one of my neighbors, and we're just going to talk to uh, people that are from a really wide range of situations, skill sets, and life experiences. So I hope that you really feel that this show resonates with you. I want people to know that part of the process that's going on right now is is to let go and to allow uh, the universe to unfold the process. And one of the things that people need to do is that they need to become more aware of how their thoughts are actually impacting the whole process. So um, that's my thoughts on today's change, challenge, and what's going on. And I'm going to have my daughter, the astrologer, do a call-in and be part of our conversation today. So I want you to know that um, divine order prevails in this situation it looks difficult, but we really just have to lift our negative thinking out of this situation and go to work on 
the solution. And the solution is, is to change our thinking, rise above it, and see this answered through our connection with our spiritual side of who and what we are. So you're speaking with Suzanne Wyman, the Deep Psychic. I'm connecting you to your soul through deep readings. You can reach me by calling me personally at 714-400-7384. That is my personal um, phone number. You can write to me, write me a question, and I will write back. I'm one of those people that likes to write letters to people. And you can write to me at the Deep Psychic Reading at gmail.com. And that's it. Here we are together <clears throat> on the show. And I'm waiting for my first caller to check in here. I think he had the wrong phone number to call in on, and I'm just looking to see if he's going to show up here today. Okay? So, all right. Um, I had a really great conversation with a friend, and she had a question about the definition of what is lucid dreaming. And lucid dreaming is the awareness that you are dreaming within the dream. And so... Um, when I talked to her, she said, well, I don't think that, that qualifies as a lucid dream. So she said that she was dreaming, that she could see herself dreaming, and that she knew she was asleep and that she was dreaming. And although that's not a lucid sequence, that is a lucid moment. And lucid dreaming is defined by the process of being aware that you are in a dream and that you are asleep. So... It's actually um, Buddha who actually wrote about that and explained that process to us with great clarity. So, the other um, question that I have going on for today is um, the basic foundation of spiritual work and understanding has been talked about for thousands of years and it isn't really um, clearly understood. So, um, we're translating the process into translating the process into Western concepts. Um, and the Western concepts at times have a tendency to edit things that they perceive as negative. And I think that's one of the um, most important things for us to understand is that it might, might appear to be negative, but it is not negative. So... Um, and it's our deeper understanding that allows us to create a situation of where we can um, gather the spiritual information, look past our own preconceived ideas, and reach for a deeper process within ourselves. Um, I inherited my great uncle's uh, Rosicrucian books, and there's a lot of things that are said inside of those books that would not be published today because people would perceive them as being negative rather than just being information. Uh, the Rosicrucians go into... Uh, uh, determination about nail shape and how that affects the type of person. <clears throat> a number of things that aren't published anywhere else really in the world today, and it was just published a long time ago. Some of these books were published more than a century ago, so they're extremely interesting, rather unique, and they give us a detailed perception of uh, nail type having significance over the personality. So... Um, I guess I guess I don't I don't have a call in today. I don't have. I'm trying to find um, one of my call in people, and um, uh, I don't have one of my call in people. So we're we're going to be having a conversation <clears throat> without anybody talking with me, which is kind of hard for me to do because I'm used to having somebody in front of me to talk to. So. Mm. If you'd like to be a quick call in and get a short reading on the phone, you can call at area code 206-806-9965, and you would be my call in for today. So, what do we got going on today? We've got a Jupiter-Pluto uh, aspect, um, and see what I can... Uh, put together as far as the astrology uh, that's going on, which is bringing about huge changes. And, uh, okay, I don't have a call-in guest, so you can't figure it out. All right, well, I guess we're going to move forward. 
and find somebody else to call in and talk to me. <coughs> trying to think of some conversations, great conversations that I've had this week with people that have shared their inspiration, their psychic ability, their intuition, and um, how I've been able to help them understand that that was their own intuition guiding them to a higher place so that they can uh, carry out what is their deepest desire. And it is always interesting. I'm surprised that when people actually take the time to listen and follow their own intuition, their own inner guidance, and their own psychic ability, that they... Um, <clears throat> they are able to, you know, use their psychic ability to further their own goals and their own dreams. One of my favorite processes is, is to use is to create a series of affirmations that I say to myself as I'm falling asleep at night. And um, how that works is, is that you choose an affirmation and you use that in order to program your subconscious state and then that subconscious state assists you in uh, obtaining that as a goal. So um, it's, a, it's a helpful process, uh, fine-tuning your subconscious state, becoming aware of what your subconscious is guiding you, and... Uh, using the process of affirmations has um, been one of my favorite things. I have been using the hypnagogic state for a long, ta long time. And what it is is that there's this, um, there's this window in your subconscious state. And in the subconscious state, the, um, it's open for 20 minutes and it's the most receptive time. It's when you first fall asleep and you become aware of the fact that you are in between the two places and it's open, it's receptive, and it allows you to do programming. So um, I've always used that um, window of opportunity into the subconscious state every single day of my life for, for decades now, and it's been so helpful in order to understand where I need to be in my life, how to carry out my divine purpose and my true purpose in this world. So... There we are, um, hypnagogic state, and um, it is a, it's something that's been written about, and it's actually noted in the scientific community as a um, state. They call it hypnagogic. They don't actually have a real understanding of what it is. And I always love it when modern science can't come up with an explanation for something that really is a connection between the human consciousness to the universal consciousness or what the universe has to say to us. And so they put it into a category of unknown. But really it's unexplainable. It really is unexplainable for us, and it is unexplainable for people that try and document such a process. All right. So here we are. I'm trying to find somebody to call in and talk to me. And um, I am waiting and there is, uh, I'm asking somebody else to join me. And they're saying that they can't get through on the system. So let's see what's going on with that. Okay. And I'll type them the new number and see if that works. All right. Good conversation here. First part of the show is finished by the time... Um, I get these other people to take and tune in. The, the 15 minutes will be up, and I'll be on to my next caller. So let's see what we got going on now. Okay. Okay. Let's put B in with me. Let's put B in on the conversation. Hello, B. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm great now that I got you. <laughs> Flattery will get you anything you want in the whole world. Tell me your question, please. Okay, so um, I was told that I don't, that I need to um, talk to, I need to bring in more of the higher angels and things like that, and then I'm stopping myself or I'm blocking myself. So I wanted to see if you see anything. 
<clears throat> the um, I kind of I kind of have to say that that's an interesting thing because once once the very fact that we put a negative commentary down on it and we say oh you're blocking this you're not allowing this we've already created part of the problem that kind of perpetuates what the problem is about that we're attempting to resolve. So, okay, so I don't believe okay. that you're blocking it. I don't believe that you are tuned out. I don't believe any of that is going on. What I really believe is that you have not been taught how to become aware of it. Okay. So it's one of, it's one of my favorite things. So tell me, just using your own words, how you end up feeling the most connected when you're, when you're thinking about your spiritual process, your intuitive process, what makes you feel the most connected? Is it walking in nature? Is it, I mean, what is it? All those things help, but I find that when I first get up in the morning, I just talk to the spirits and I just bring everyone in. And um, that's how I start my day. Okay. How do you bring them in? I, I call them in. I say, you know, I want all those uh, angels and spirits and masters and elementals, anybody who's out there to come in, all those that are in the light um, to come out and help. Because I'm a, I'm, I'm a medium, but I'm also a psychic and I'm an energy healer. So I get a lot of information and I just, as much information I get um, that, is, that will be able to help everybody and also to help heal myself so I can help other people. Okay, that's excellent. So you're obviously working as a psychic, so why, why is it somebody has told you that you're blocking that process? Because I, I really don't see that. I just see that, you, I see that you have taken in filtered part of the information. So I think those um, spirits and energies arise and then... I think the disconnect is the fact that you're not putting them in a place. Like, send that energy through my hands, send that energy through my heart, send that energy through my eyes, however it is that you put light out there for healing. I personally, um, I personally have the ability to take light through my eyes. I don't, you know, I can use it through my hands and through my heart, but my first place is through my eyes. And so that's really, it's really about a fine-tuned focus. And sometimes, just sometimes, Getting the right um, tool helps, whether we have a certain crystal or we have a wand. Sometimes those things help fine-tune our energy. Okay. No, talk, talk more about it. It's okay. I mean, kind of let that – I saw – I see you go back into your head and try and <laughs> answer that, but let's bring it out forward in front of you. Okay. I, I think, um, you know, uh, I've always – uh, done this in terms of um, I have gifts and things like that, thank God, you know, wonderful, but I limit myself in terms of um, I'm, I was, when I first started, you know, years ago, I always was afraid. I, I don't want to say something. I don't want to hurt anyone. You know, I, I don't want to give out the wrong information. You know, all, all those that we all do ourselves, we're all self-doubting and always so hard on ourselves, you know? Uh-huh. And I think that as the years progress, obviously, the more information I get and the stronger I get, it, it it's easier for me, but I think I, I limit myself. Does that make sense? So here's what I had to come up with. So I okay. Think, and I, I worked in a situation. Um, I teach, and by the way, I teach. So I'm not really a very patient teacher, so it's not an area that I like, but there's a lot of information that I have. And so I have a group of women, and I've been with them for a long time, and I teach. So... I'm not a patient teacher, though. I actually brought somebody in to help me teach in a more patient fashion, and that didn't really work out. So, um, <clears throat> but here's what I found. I was working in public, and I was working on my feet where I would take and I would go up to a group of people, and I would talk to them, and I would give each one of them a short reading. So let's say there's a group of four people, and that group of four people, I'd be finished with that group in less than 10 minutes. And that's hard work. I mean, that's really hard work. I found that a lot of psychics don't want to do that kind of work because it's a relentless, grinding, hard work. So I decided, and this is an interesting decision, and you might try it. It would help you. I decided okay. I wasn't going to listen to what I said. I would stop listening to what I had to say because once you take and make yourself available and you make yourself open as the channel, you're not listening to what you're saying. And I... And sometimes I would like be kind of startled. I would hear part of what I said, and I go, "Oh my gosh, should I really say that?" And I would say that out loud, and the people would laugh, and they would go, "No, it's okay. I know what you mean." And so once I stopped 
paying attention to what I thought they needed based on my filters, and I just started listening to what was being given to me and not editing it or trying to change it or do anything else with it, then it was fine. Now, I think that's part of what you're doing, but I also think, and this is not a judgment, I also think that you have, um, I think you need to fine-tune your process a little bit. I think you're talented. I think you're effective. I think you're extremely creative. But I think that it's about a little bit of fine-tuning. And doubt chases away spiritual energy faster than anything else. So, you know, discipline yourself self to release doubt, to become, put yourself in the process of surrender. I, I may doubt my talent, but I don't doubt the capability to connect to the universe, to the spirit, to, you know, the energy that is present. And, and come up with an affirmation for yourself so you're not doubting yourself and you're saying simply what that person you know, is available to hear. I really don't think they need to hear anything. They may want to, but you also have to kind of look at that and um, work as a filter of saying what is really needed for this person at that time. And it is miraculous. It is a miraculous process when you see some of the healings that occur as the result of people to become, you know, you know, when you look at that and you see how people have become available to the process of healing, but B, call and talk to me one-on-one on the phone. I, I love to support people in the business of working as light workers, and I don't charge for that conversation. Call me and let's go into the details of this. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, your number is available? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, 714-400-7384. Okay. And... Uh, uh, just call me, and, and um, my my telephone hours are 12 to 7, Monday through Friday. Pacific. Oh, thank you. I will definitely speak to you soon, then. All right. Thank you very much. I've got my next hey. caller, so I'm not, I'm not rushing you, but thank you. Thank no, you no, many blessings. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. That was a great conversation. I really do... Um, I really do love working with other psychics and helping them to fine-tune their energy and find the path of where they can demonstrate their talent. I have my next caller in, and it is um, Shonda. Is that right? It's Chandra. I want to say it's Chandra, but it's not. It's Shanda. So um, I'm waiting to put her in. Hello. 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 Hey. Hey, how are I'm you? I'm here. <laughs> Um, thank you very much for helping me today by being a caller and participating. My pleasure. Yeah. Let's do your question. Yeah. So we had spoken in, um, in regards to just kind of tapping into liver, the issue of the liver. Um, my background with this is that I was diagnosed with uh, hematomacrosis uh, a few years back. It's been about almost six years now. And um, with COVID-19 going on, I can't get phlebotomies. Um, and um, there's saturation in my liver right now. It's over 50%. So I've been feeling the uh, tiredness from it. And my ferritin level is fine as of now, but originally... When I was diagnosed, the ferritin level was over 900, and you don't want it over 300. So I was extremely high. And it, and it was just one of those things that, you know, life takes you down these paths, and I had some other kinds of things happening, and I just didn't feel right. And so I ended up finding out that this was, you know, one of these things that I had uh, this mutated gene from my mom and a mutated gene from my dad, and uh, I was, yeah, and I was the one that got both of them. And, um, and I, I did talk to a lady um, that I've worked with doing, uh, she's a, she's a, a healer kind of in a way, a minister, but she just said, you know, there's ways that you can go in and actually talk, talk to your body. And, uh, you know, it mutated. I wonder if it can mutate back. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's talk about the function of the liver, okay? So okay. let's just talk about the function of the liver. And um, so the idea here is, is that, um, so but 
I, I don't know if you've done any reading or any research on it, but whenever we see a recessive genetic um, carrier, you know, and then another recessive genetic carrier, recessive genes come as the result of people living in too close of proximity with one another and having a small breeding pool for a prolonged period of time, you know, somewhere between four and 500 years. So I, I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but both your mother and your father... Um, some part of their story is is that they come from the same genetic pool. I know it's pretty bizarre, isn't it? Interesting. I know. I think it's really interesting because you told me, you know, who your family members are. But your liver's responsibility in this world is to take and pull information in from the surrounding areas, actually as far away as the stars in the universe and put that into order for you as a person so that you can take and understand what your will is in this life and you can carry that process out into the world. So this is like getting an understanding of what your animal nature is. And your liver has a very um, important uh function in that your liver is responsible for the emotion of rage. And um, we only become truly enraged as people when we're in danger, you know, emotional danger, physical danger, psychological danger, we become enraged. So rage is a protective feature, okay? Anger is a negative expression of love, and so anger is, anger is more complex. The problem with people that rage, um, you know, that are rageaholics and so forth, that's a different classification, but I'm just talking about a healthy sense of, of I'm enraged, by something, it, it's very momentary. So when we have this problem that you're discussing here with your liver, it talks about the fact that you're, and forgive me for being direct on this point with you, please, is, is that you are judging some part of your emotional process. You are judging it. You're saying, well, those, those aren't good emotions, those are bad emotions, or I shouldn't have those feelings. But you're in some way or another judging this emotional process at a deeper level for yourself. So um, I think that part of that is, is that, you know, you don't really feel as if you have the right to be angry about a sense of injustice that you've suffered. You know, something didn't turn out the way you wanted to, and you don't want to feel hurt or angry about it, and so you've stowed all of the emotions about that, and your liver has taken that on. Now, kind of a chicken and an egg question here. Did the, is it because you have a um, recessive genetic disorder in your liver that made it so you didn't express these emotions or did you not express these emotions and then it kicked off the genetic disorder? That's kind of an interesting question. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that to you? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. And yeah, and I feel like what you're talking about. I've I think this has been something since very young, young in my life. Right. So yeah. Yeah, and it is probably really deeply personal. I don't know if you're exactly comfortable talking about it, but I think that there's a judgment process. I shouldn't get that angry. I I shouldn't feel so self righteous. It's just a judgment process, and it's it's neither good nor bad. So the funny thing of it is, is that when we suppress it we become oppressed by it. And I think that if you would simply surrender into the process of those feelings, your own energy would free up because you would not be trying to contain it or resist it or move against it. You would simply say, it's okay for me to express this. Now, whenever somebody goes through one of these changes, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, um, and they go into a recovery process, because you are, you're trying to recover parts of yourself that were lost, um, the other people in the situation, they become kind of annoyed with you because they don't like the discomfort of you being a different person. But just remember that's them, that's not you, and surrender into that process and surrender into those emotions. And I'm going to be, I'm going to risk um, being too blunt with you, but I really think that your family has asked you to emotionally be a person that you're not. 
And I think that that... Oh, absolutely. And it, and it started <laughs> very, very young. And uh-huh. it, it, it's, a, it, it's so deep um, on that side of it. It's like you, you could dig out so much there. So you, right. you hit that one definitely right on the spot. That's okay. that for sure. So here's the part where I need you to kind of relax. And that is, is that... I, I want you to give up your job of being the messenger of um, passing on information. It's not your responsibility to tell them. You've given, you've given them an opportunity to ask you questions or to receive your information. They're not going to do it. And that's not your job anymore to take and keep them informed and tell them about these different things. And when you change that position and you focus more on what you need in the situation and you ask, you say, you know, I really don't feel good about listening um, to you talk this way. I really don't feel good about that and I just can't do it. So it's not good or bad. It's just I can't do it. And you disconnect and you detach and you become the observer in that situation. At first, your family is going to be irate with you for taking that position of not listening to them. They already have been. I've already gone through different times with these things, and I tend uh-huh. to find myself like thinking I'm, I've moved past it, and I only find myself back in it again. So it's like it's very interesting that you bring it up because it's just one of those things. It's like a pattern. It's like you fall off the horse, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, I'm back in it again. How did I, you know? I thought I've already okay. set my boundaries with this. I've already told myself I'm going to be detached. And well, sure enough, you just... Ha- it doesn't happen at once. It takes one piece at a time. Each situation is different. You have to work harder for that. But have a, have a conversation with me, and I will take and give you some tools to work on. But basically what I'm going to tell you is, is that you need to have, while you're healing from this, while you're putting this into perspective, and while you're getting your bearings on this, you need to kind of keep your contact with your family of origins to a minimum because they don't want to let you out. <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, oh, that would be so nice. I just yeah. I need a break. <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it. But, yeah, call me. I'll give you some – call me on the phone. I'll give you some tools. I've, I've, got, my, I've got my next um, person in here, and thank you very much okay. for helping me today. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, Susan. So You're welcome. Have a great day. Okay, bye, Suzanne. Bye-bye. What a great conversation. What a really great conversation. Um, I love James, James Redfield's work on um, why a person is born into a family and what it is that's supposed to happen within the family dynamic in order to support somebody's life's purpose. And sometimes a person doesn't get that information and they don't handle that information correctly and then they, they end up in a role in the family that, causes them to develop disease and disharmony. So it's very, very difficult. Important healing work. Today I have got um, my daughter, Katharina, on the phone with us, and she's going to take and explain to us an astrological aspect, put it into clear words in a way that I can't do it. You talk to me about astrology and I get stuck in the mythology. I get stuck in the process of understanding what the mythological um, interpretation is of the astrology and it kind of, it kind of gets into a, a digressive point. It really is not centered in a um, logical process. Astrology is probably one of the more, is considered one of the logical uh, ancient arts. So there's iridology, graphology, astrology, uh, numerology, and those are the ones that are considered the logical, mystical sciences. They started in the same way as the other mystical sciences, but they're more logical. Okay, so do we have Katharina? Do we have Katharina here on the phone with me yet? I'm looking for her. Hi there. Hi, Katharina. How I'm are just you? Waiting. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. Tell us what's going on with the um, astrologer, the astrology going on right now. So we have one of the um, biggest kind of aspects for 2020 coming up on April 4th, mm-hmm. and that is a Pluto-Jupiter conjunction in Capricorn. Pluto. So when is that? April 4th. Okay, that's perfect. 
Yeah, so it actually, um, I, I, you know, you were talking about the mythology, and I think that that is important to go back and just, because it does elicit some of the basics um, for astrology, because the planets are named after mythological uh, figures, mythological gods in Roman times. So I did want to talk to you a little bit about the basics of just Jupiter and Pluto and kind of how we identify those planets with the aspects of the gods they're associated with. So uh, Jupiter in, is, uh, in Roman mythology the equivalent of Zeus, Right. And uh, we know Zeus as the king of the gods, okay. right? And uh, he's the god of sky and thunder and um, can be linked to a lot of mythological stories and, um, you know, the gods that are birthed from him or birthed from, you know, his many wives and things like that. So um, he kind of plays a role in every mythology story that I know. Okay. Uh, what's your like in your uh, understanding of Jupiter in mythology? Jupiter in mythology, Jupiter in mythology, um, also known as Zeus in uh, the Greek mythology. So the Romans took the Greek mythology and then added some Etruscan mythology, and then that's how they came up with Roman mythology. Some of the names are quite different. Other times, the names kind of have some sort of similarity to them. I can't remember the island that Zeus is supposed to have come from, and he has an island in Greece that he's actually um, named after, but it is Zeus. Um, well, okay, so let's, let's stick to Roman names. So it's Jupiter, Neptune, and Pluto, who are three brothers, and um, they, inherit, they, they inherit the Earth. And so um, Pluto takes the underworld, uh, Neptune takes uh, the oceans and the waterways, and Jupiter takes um, the sky, and they agree that the Earth is the um, area where they play out their dramas. And I don't think they say it that way, but they say that that's the, the area that is open to all of them. So each one of the stories that were told are played out on an earthly realm with the gods involved, and really what it is is it's a way of talking about human nature in a way that's very, very deep and helps us to make sense of our own uh, drives and ambitions. But it's done through stories, so it has an allegorical effect. Right. So as you mentioned, Pluto is the brother of Jupiter, and yeah. he's the ruler of the underworld. And, um, you know, and so you have the allegory of... Uh, Pluto falling in love with uh, Persephone and bringing her into Hades, and that's the explanation of her mother Demeter being sad while she's in the underworld with Hades part of the year, and that's our explanation for why we have winter. And then Demeter brings us spring and harvest while her daughter's with her on Earth in a way. So it's a cycle explanation through some of those those tales. So that's the the story I'm most familiar with, with Pluto, but the planet is associated with um, endings and new beginnings and spiritual growth and rebirth and, um, you know, in a simpler way, death and rebirth, but it, it really is about stripping away what's artificial and kind of giving us a deep experience of transformation and being able to let go of what we no longer need in our life. So Pluto, I feel like, has a bad uh, kind of reputation in astrology, but it's really, um, you know, a necessary process of life as we just, you know, eliminate things that we no longer need to gain something better. So, and in contrast to Jupiter, which is all about expansion and bigness, um, you know, it's associated a lot with, with prosperity and healing and luck. So this um, conjunction that's happening on the 4th, it's actually one of three conjunctions that will happen this year. So it's kind of, um, you know, a beginning, middle, and end cycle. So the first conjunction is April 4th. The second one is June 30th. 
And then the third one is November 12th. So we really do have that little trine of cycles to give us that, again, beginning, middle, and end. Um, and so it's a really, it's actually a really positive conjunction. Um, they, it's, you know, a time of stripping away what's no longer needed and working for us in a big way as a, you know, as a planet. And then Jupiter gives us that energy, um, that kind of force to bring forward something that's even bigger and better, um, and just, it's just going to be a, a big shift. Doesn't, I mean, Pluto asks us to allow what doesn't work and is not valuable and is no longer productive to die, right? Right, I mean, right, yeah, yeah. So and it's all about, you know, uh, Pluto is not about, like, the superficial, you know, light side of things. It wants to go deep and and kind of have us get in touch with what's really at our core, what really we, we um, need to experience on a deep level to have a true transformation, right? It's not about um, the, the superficial facade of things, you know. It's, it's about a deeper spiritual transformation. Okay. So let's, and that's, I mean, that's, so that's, diffi- that's difficult because, you know, sometimes we don't like to go deep in ourselves and kind of look at some of those uh, shadow or dark aspects of ourselves, but we kind of have to to initiate that change, right? Okay. So um, my, um, my friend Nina, she died during a Pluto aspect in her, her chart. And I sat down with her and I, I told her what was going on in her chart. She knew she was seriously ill, and, um, and she had a Pluto aspect that went on, and she died with um, Pluto in her eighth house, and the eighth house of your um, chart is death and rebirth, and um, she, she passed away during that chapter, okay? So mm-hmm. I think the reason people are afraid of Pluto is because they know that some part of them has to die. Even if that piece is no longer useful, helpful, productive, or supportive of new structures, they are afraid to allow it to die because they know it's gone, it's gone in a very permanent way, and they don't know what the future is. Many people want to live their life only knowing that if they do it and it turns out the way they want it to turn out, they're going to do it that way. And... The problem with that is is that we don't really know the outcome until we get involved in it and we go to work on it. That's life. Um, you don't actually ever really know the destination. You give it your best intention. You give it your best idea. You give it your best effort, and you put everything you have inside of it. And sometimes it just, it just doesn't work or it's not meant to work that way. So there is a part of us that has to accept old outmoded, useless, broken pieces of um, our society are finished. And we have to move into something different. What that different thing will be will be different, but it will be better for everybody involved. And that is the part where people are fearful. And I I really want to encourage people not to be fearful, but to be more accepting and just surrender into the process. You can't hold it back. You need to surrender into it. Yeah, absolutely. And you're much a much better facilitator of change. You know, as human beings, we really don't like change and our brains are kind of programmed to avoid change and protect us from something that's unknown or different, right? That's just the way we're programmed and so it's it's harder for us to kind of overcome that. Um and you know, me especially as a very structured, organized individual, I like to, you know, do all my little things and I know how the outcome is going to turn out. And in contrast, being my mother, we're always like, yeah, just get up and go and go do it. And, you know, just why not <laughs> change fun. it, change the plans. Yeah. Like, uh, what do you mean you don't? So who cares if you don't have plans or you don't have your stuff in the car that you need? Just go. You'll figure it out. So that was always like a very, um, I mean, where you and I are contrasting, right? And it was a good right. balance for me to see that it could work out if you just went with it and just 
trusted the universe was going to provide for you. Um, and so it provided a counterbalance and in that view for me growing up being your daughter. So it, you know, well, I mean, it really, the, yeah. It really wasn't a life or death situation. It really was sometimes about things maybe not being as um, polished or well organized or, um, you know, it really was about sometimes about spontaneity and stuff like that. So it wasn't anything that was dangerous. It was just something that was um, spontaneous. Let's clarify that. So, oh, yeah. Always, yeah, yeah, yeah. Always. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was like it was like I don't have my sweater to go to the beach. It's like, well, just go to the beach. You'll figure it out, you know. But yeah, it was never anything. Uh, you know, I mean, when you're a child, everything is life or death, right? It's extreme, and you know, that's your limited universe. But yeah, I agree. I think it's just um, a time for people to recognize that this is going to be a good change. It's going to be for the better. There's a good outcome that's happening here. Um, and just to, you know, we just have to kind of live with that discomfort of the uncertainty for a little while, knowing that it's all going to work out. Okay. So um, let's talk about uncertainty. People want certainty. They want to know, I went to school. I worked hard. I I created this investment. I want to know that it's going to work out exactly the way I was told it was going to work out. And now we're telling them, hey, that's not nearly the most important thing. Now the most important thing is uh, uh, the technology of Zoom technology where 100 people can um, be together and hear what each other has to say and um, work from you know, 100 different locations and work together as a group. A lot of people are going to be challenged by these ideas that what they thought was the most important, the best method, and everything else, that all might fall away. It doesn't mean what they're doing isn't important any longer. It's just how they access their group or how they access the people they serve. It's definitely going to be changed. Yeah, and that's, you bring up a really good point of like this, this shift also changes how we view um, abundance and prosperity and things that are important to us, right? So the shift may come in, um, you know, abundance and prosperity is not necessarily focused in hard finances or money. It might be time with loved ones and friends and that those great, you know, connections that we get to make and seeing each other on a regular basis and exchanging energy, um, you know, that's what I think. I think it's really going to just shift what we view as really important in our lives. Well, that wouldn't be a bad thing. That would be absolutely wonderful. So when was the last time Pluto uh, conjunct Jupiter in Capricorn occurred? I think that's the most interesting piece of the story. It's been like a long, long time. It's very rare. Uh, I have it down as, um, well, one of the occurrences was in 1518, and that was during the time of the Reformation when Martin okay. Luther, uh, you know, posts, uh, yeah. So, okay. yeah, there's just um, big changes happen. Um, I think you and I were talking about the time of the Temple of Solomon being created. And, um, yeah, so it's, it, it's very rare, but it brings about a lot of good things. That's a great thought. Let's keep that thought. So it's two days away. We enter it in two days. So we start to feel the effects now. Yes. Okay. Maybe you'll do this for us again and break down astrology in a simple, digestible format so we can eat it one little spoon at a time and assimilate the information. I will, I will try. I'm learning with everyone as we go, so it's, it's a nice um, platform for me to share my knowledge with you. It's, I appreciate it. Oh, you're wonderful. Um, so, okay, one last, one last thing. Um, so the next one is when the next Jupiter conjunction? Uh, no, the next part. Uh, you said there was another one that was in June. Yeah, so it happens in three phases, or it aligns three times this year. So April 4th, 
June 30th, and November 12th, all in Capricorn. Wow. Okay, talk about mm-hmm. Capricorn really quick before we wrap this up. I'm waiting for my next, I'm waiting for my next caller, and, um, and then we'll, we'll move on. Uh, so Capricorn, I always associate uh, with the goat and uh, climbing that mountain and, um, you know, building, that, building those resources, right? Um, it's the 10th astrological sign in the zodiac. Um, so what is, okay, so the first half of the astrology is um, people that are in the development. It's the animal nature. The second half is the spiritual nature, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, Cap, this is the last time an earth sign rotates through the zodiac um, because then we have Aquarius and then we have um, Pisces and then that wraps up the whole story. So, talk about the significance of Capricorn because a lot of people see Capricorn as people that are really concerned about material wealth and what they're willing to do in order to take and make the journey to climb the mountain in order to have the things. But it's spiritual wealth also. It's ruled by Saturn. Right. Um, so they're an Earth sign. They're, like you said, the ruling planet is Saturn. Um, it's, you know, they're about being goal-oriented. They're really self-disciplined usually. Um, I mean, it's just, it's about, I think, resources, which is why um, I think this conjunction happening in Capricorn is going to be about how we view our resources and abundance. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just Capricorn, Capricorn is about driving towards goals and success. Okay. So about the drive for success, it happens during Capricorn. Um, it means that we let go of the um, pieces of ourselves that aren't really successful and the things that no longer work in the planet, and we um, work with a driving force to create new resources and new prosperity. So perfect, great Great way of summing up the um, astrological aspect. I'm going to move on to my next caller, Katharina. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was great. Uh, The lifetime of the study of astrology and the subtleties. I say an astrologer who doesn't have an understanding of mythology is a waste, um, simply because understanding the mythology of it Um, helps you understand why that story is so important to the human expression. So I've got a... um, Is that you, Stephanie? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, how are you today? Well, I'm I'm fine, thank you. I'm I'm fine. (laughs) I'm as good as I can see right now. <laughs> so, um, Catherine just got through explaining um, the aspect that begins on the fourth, which is a uh, Jupiter-Pluto conjunct in Capricorn. So, um, I think that come the fourth, we will have a better understanding of what things are outdated and useless, and what things need to um, come about in order to create success, prosperity, and well-being on the planet. So we're on the move here on the planet. Um, Willing or unwilling participants makes no difference. We're all together in this process. So do you have a good question for me today? A really good question. (laughs) Well, I hope it's a good question. My question really has to do with um, with changing my or directing my uh, business. Okay. And not changing it, but the direction I'm supposed to go. I've often felt that I've reached the place where I really need to listen to the calling of my soul. Uh-huh. And it's, it's not radically different from what I've been doing, but I feel like that, that I'm supposed to be doing something else, but I'm not exactly sure how that's supposed to take. Okay. 
twofold. What is the what is the mission statement of your work? Not what is it that is the goal for you, but what is the mission statement that would impact um, people that needed your service of understanding how to use essential oils for healing, pain relief, um, just immune support. Everybody obviously has become incredibly aware of the fact that they need to really take care of their immune system. So how do you... My overall mission statement is to enlighten and inspire people's lives to become more healthy and more in touch with who they really are. Okay. So I've got a question for you. You have a deeply unconscious, hypnotized human being who listens to the TV set and hasn't ever heard one word about what it means to be a healthy human being, and they have no background in it. The only thing they know is that the TV tells them what to do and when to do it, and that they go to the grocery store and they have a job that they were told that if they went to school and got a degree, they could get a job in this field. They have never, ever approached any part of their being with uh, an idea of consciousness, awareness, self-responsibility, or... um, the one I really like is the idea that they can change their thinking to change their world. What if you encounter a person like that? What is a more practical, simplistic message you could give them? Wake up. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I, I don't. That's a, that's a good question because usually <laughs> when I come up to somebody like that, I, I do not say. Okay. Um, I'm one of those people who I I really believe in the law of attraction. Right. And let's, let's let's go to the question. I can't. I, I can't. I usually don't. I I don't deal with them usually, okay. and I that's probably not a good thing. But I don't. Okay. But let's just say the person who's hypnotized by the television set, unconscious in their awareness of who they are in the universe. Um, has encountered a problem, and somebody has said to them, oh, you know, modern, modern medicine doesn't have a treatment for that, but if you go um, to this friend of mine, Stephanie, and you talk to her, she's got an essential oil. It, it won't cost you more than like $50, but it'll help you um, make it through while you face this health challenge. It's not a big deal, but just, just go do the conversation and... You now have to take and present an idea, a solution, an application of your product to the individual who is hypnotized, unconscious, and rigid in their belief system. This is the person who benefits the greatest. What do you got? You're right about that. And I, when I run into, when I have those people, and I do, they come into my world. I um I I always try to help them in terms of you know giving them information that might open their their eye or their heart to trying something new. Usually I I talk to them in terms of let's do an experiment. Okay. You know Let's do an experiment. Let's try this. This oil is known to do whatever. And then I always ask permission if if that's okay with them. Good. Really good. So let's stop right there for a second and let's go back to the question. So now, what if your business model was set up in such a way that you put a line in there, um, novices, first-time experienced, um, people that have no previous experience with working with essential oils, their conversation is welcome. What do you think would be the shift and what you would be able to present for an individual that, you know, they want to try it because they want to take a, a method and use a method that has fewer, doesn't have side effects, is going to create results, um, and so here you are. You're sitting, you're sitting there in that situation, and now you write up your intro and your promotion piece to include not the um, experienced, jaded, well-versed individual, 
but you're looking for the individual that's never had an experience with it. It is their first time doing this. Why would that approach be different than what you're approaching with today? You know, actually, it, it isn't actually because I, I'm kind of a mom when it comes to this. And so I'm always, whenever anyone comes to me, it is always with the idea, um, I always have the idea that I want to do for them. I want them to feel better. I want them to be more open. And so I have that, I'm kind of the same way of like, don't worry, I'll take care of you. Um, it's you it's okay. We will be okay. Talking about something deeper here, Stephanie. A little deeper. Challenge yourself to go deeper here. Go deeper here with this qu- this question. What would happen in your business model if it was for the new the newest person, what would happen with that process? It's a positive thing that I'm trying to lead you to, but what what would be different about it? It's a subtle thing. Let's let's talk about the beginning. I have more. I have more. I don't actually. I don't know. So the beginner's mind is more receptive. You know, the beginner's mind often has success in the very beginning because they don't have any preconceived notions or ideas. They simply have um, this receptive, I have a problem, you have a solution, I'm going to do it. It it comes down to its simplest form. There is no great explanation. You don't have to be the mother. You don't have to be any of these things. It's it's the most pure and simple application when you apply it to the beginner's mind. The um, other individuals, they come with their own ideas and their own filters and their own experience. Apply that and expectation. A beginner never has expectation. They only have openness. So it would make for a more open business model if it was approached in that way. So basically everybody's welcome and... Everybody's welcome. Everybody, everybody is welcome. But in particular, if you geared your message to people that didn't have a lot of knowledge and understanding, I mean, there's times when people come in and they want to join in, but the language isn't familiar, and they don't know how to begin the conversation. And so what you end up with is, is people that are, um, you know, they just don't, they just sort of like kind of bug out because they couldn't find a place in there. People have a tendency to get caught up in their language and their terms, which are for the more practiced user. And I'm asking you to take and apply this to the person who's never entered into this world. Um, you know, the metaphysical world, the spiritual world, the alternative world. And let's see if we can introduce them to a new way of healing. And in this way, you have the very, the very newest, the um, the most open. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, very. Thank you very much. Um, I'm down to my last few seconds here. We're ready to um, uh, wrap the show up and. Um, you know, call me and we'll talk about this in detail. Thank you so much today. Thank you. Thank you. No, actually, that was very helpful. Thank you. I have to, you know, I have to like mold think that over and, know, and figure out how that, how that translates. Okay. Very good. To me, you know. For you but, personally. Yeah, yeah, no, that was very helpful. Really, truly. It was. It didn't sound like it was, but it really is. I really do. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Stephanie. Uh, this is Suzanne Wyman, and it's the Deep Psychic connecting you to your soul. Uh, 714-400-7384. You're welcome to call me anytime. And the show call-in number is 206-806-9965. Have a great day, and thank you for being with me today. It has been wonderful to have you as part of my show. Have a great day, and I will talk to you very soon. Bye-bye.
Become a Goldilocks Productions VIP patron. Receive exclusive access to live stream special and other epic packs. Join the Goldilocks Productions VIP community today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 